wisdom is something you can't see nor touch, and yet you can personify it. You can relate to it as a person. That's what's happening here in the book of Proverbs. And you will find this flowing right through many of the Proverbs. It refers to wisdom, and wisdom is a person. So, who is that person? Well, if you study chapter 8 sometime, you will find that it is the Lord Jesus. It is Christ. And here you have the Savior speaking, turn at my reproof. You have really here in Proverbs the ministry of the Lord Jesus, doing what he did when he was on earth. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and very short intro today because we are going straight into our message, No Excuses, Turn or Burn. And then the last part of our program will be Don't Miss the Cross. So stay tuned with us, and may the Lord bless you through His Word. As from the pulpit of our church, we let the Bible speak today. Verse 23 is a bit of a springboard text for much of the rest of the chapter, but it does bring us to the issue here. Turn. Turn you at my reproof. Turn or burn is the old message of the old preachers. The Reformers, the Puritans, Whitfield, Wesley, Spurgeon, indeed the founders of our own denomination not more than 50 years ago, they preached the old gospel, turn or burn. And of course, it recognizes the fact that there is a hell to flee from, a place of fiery torment that is real, a place where there is no deliverance and where there is torment day and night. This call to turn is really the call to repent, so that you turn from your evil ways. And the warning is given that if you're on that path of sin, that trajectory of evil, then you will burn unless you turn. And so, if you are on that road today, the broad road that leads to destruction, if you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, if your sins are not forgiven, here is a text that is for you. Right here in Proverbs 1, verse 23, turn you at my reproof. Now, our right understanding of this text is to work out who exactly it is speaking to. And for that, we go back here to verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. Now, you'll notice that wisdom is a person. Wisdom is personified. I remember being in English literature class learning personification. It is a device of authors to use uh, the quality of personality to abstract things, like wisdom. Uh, wisdom is something you can't see nor touch, and yet you can personify it. You can relate to it as a person. 
That's what's happening here in the book of Proverbs. And you will find this flowing right through many of the Proverbs. It refers to wisdom, and wisdom is a person. So who is that person? Well, if you study chapter 8 sometime, you will find that it is the Lord Jesus. It is Christ. And here you have the Savior speaking, turn at my reproof. You have really here in Proverbs the ministry of the Lord Jesus, doing what he did when he was on earth. He was calling men to flee from the wrath to come. He called men to give up their sins, and he told them that except their righteousness exceeded the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall all perish. And here in this book of Proverbs, you have the Lord Jesus speaking. So Proverbs is not just an archive of cold clinical laws to regulate our lives. They are the warm, heartfelt words of a living Savior, one who loves you, one who cares for your soul, and who would call you today to turn, to repent, to leave those ways that will lead you to disaster and destruction. Now, the sermon title here is this, No Excuses, Turn or Burn. Now, the Lord addresses three types of sinners. Now, if you're looking here at verse uh, 22, you will see these three people laid out. Now, this is literature. I know young people here, and you study novels. You study the writings of those who, you know, use their imagination. You use, do you have an imagination? An imagination is a wonderful thing. It can take you to places where trains, planes, and boats could never take you. They can take you to the deserts of Sahara. They can take you to the sunny seaside resorts of Mexico or any place you choose. Your imagination. Here is Solomon in all his wise art with words. And he's referring to three types of people here. How long, ye simple ones? So that's the first type of person, the simple. And then he also exhorts to the scorners. And then the third person, the fools. The simple, the scorner, and the fool. Now let's think about each of those for a moment. Now, I'm still in the introduction. I'm not rushing into the message here just yet. I'm just trying to lay out clearly in your mind to whom these exhortations turn at my reproof, flee from wrath, turn from sin, prepare for heaven. To whom is the Lord speaking here? So the first one is the simple. Now, the simple is the person who never thinks. He has no idea because he's never even thought about it. As such, we are told, merely loves simplicity. They have no strong convictions about anything. They're ignorant, or maybe they're agnostic, taking the I-don't-know position. And they just sail along life oblivious 
to all the issues that whirl around them. Uh, they're not fussy. They don't get too concerned about good or evil. When things are wicked, they just shrug their shoulders and move along. But then the simple, they don't do any good either. They don't accomplish much because, well, life to them is a little bit just dreamy. Now, sadly, the simple are in the majority, and they have lots of company. People who do likewise, they never read the Bible, they never think about heaven or hell, they never think about life running out, they never think about the clock striking twelve and the death rattle upon their throat when life it will be over. They just float along. I wonder, is that you? Could you be in that very category of the simple? You just don't even bother to think about these things. Well, you know, the Lord addresses you today. He has a word of call to your heart today. Turn at my reproof. Then the second type of sinner that is addressed is the scorner. Now, he's not a lot better than the simple. Uh, he does have some grasp of truth, but his heart is hardened to it. He's the scorner. He puts up a fence of animosity and wants to shield himself from any responsibility. And so when truth hits his heart or mind, and he thinks of, what should I do about it? He just mocks. He just takes the attitude, well, I'll just laugh it off. The scorner is really the one that runs from the light because his deeds are evil and will not want to be exposed. And so he scorns. He mocks, and laughs, and ridicules. He's the sarcastic one, and he can make everybody laugh about the most serious things in life. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's your category. You do have a Bible. You do have a heritage of knowing the truth. You do know what's right and wrong, but you just scorn, pick holes, find the inconsistency, see the glaring contradiction, look for a way out from any responsibility. That's the scorner. Is that you? Well, the Lord has a word for you, too. Turn at my reproof. Oh, there is a call to come away from that scorning attitude. The third one, then, is the fool who hates God's knowledge. You'll notice how it is put here uh, that and fools hate knowledge. They, they think it's a joke. All of life is a joke to the fool. This is the person who is unlike the others in that he does come into contact with truth. He knows, but he hates his Truth is turned to bitterness, and there's resentment which violently reacts to the convictions of the truth. And there's pricks and thorns and an attitude of, 
almost violent opposition. This is the fool. And the fool is the person, of course, who has thrown away the Bible, or who has said to the preacher, I'll never come to hear you again. This is all just foolishness. The fool is not just a clown, but he's a fighter, and he fights the truth. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's the person that's identified here, and that's you, because you are setting yourself against the truth, and you are resisting violently and unwilling to turn. Now, notice that to each of these people, the Lord is saying, how long? Look at verse 22 there. You'll see, how long, ye simple ones, the scorners and fools? How long? This is not new. This is not something that God has instantly judged, but allows you to continue in that way for a time. But now he's asking, how long? How many years of your life are you going to give to this attitude? How long are you going to walk in the way of the fool? How long are you going to harden your heart? How long are you going to act like the simpleton with no idea, just fluffy, living, empty vanity? How long? How long? And then here is the Lord's repeal. Turn you at my reproof. And that is what God is calling you today to do. Turn. Turn, as in repentance, means a 180-degree turn. You're going one way. It's the way to destruction. To make an exact opposite turn is called in your life. Now I get to my message. What are the reasons? What are the strong arguments that God is using here? Well, let's go to verse 20 here. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. Wisdom crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates, in the city she uttereth her words, saying. What is the argument here? You're without excuse because wisdom or the Lord, remember, wisdom is the Lord, calls you every day and everywhere to repent. The streets, the concourse, that's the open marketplace. And of course, in Bible times, the marketplace was the, the gathering. It was the the place of laughter and of gaiety, of business, of merchandise, of gathering in your stores for the week. It was the place of open experience. And there, everywhere, the Lord is present speaking. Now, that means men are without excuse. And of course, God speaks through creation. What a beautiful Lord's Day morning. Blue sky, sun shining when you arose, a joy in your soul and the goodness that you're enjoying. That's God's goodness to you. He causeth the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. And even in the sunshine, God is speaking. 
of his goodness unto you. Then your conscience. Oh, how often in the silent hour, in the little squeaky voice, your heart cries out, Am I right with God? We know that we are made in God's image. We're not the beasts of the field without a speaking voice within. And there is within you a call. Turn. Turn at my reproof. There's the law of God written on your heart. You are made in God's image. There is the morality of right and wrong. Now, I know many people will snuff it out and seek to harden their hearts against it. Nevertheless, it's a battle, and it's a battle against the truth. Christian principles are all around and everywhere. The laws of our land, seven days in the week. God made the world in six days and rested the seventh. 2017 A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, when he was birth-born into this world. All around us is the witness of Christ and of his grace, the justice system. You know that symbol of justice, the balances? Where does justice come from? Does justice come from the evolutionary world spawned in the muck of some mere developing organism? No, justice comes from the heart of the God of grace and the God of glory. Truth, lies, the ordinance of marriage. Preached about that last Sunday evening. Every day you see husband and wife. There's Christ in the church. Preached before you constantly. Your mother and father, the way they live, the way they interact, the way they complement each other, there's the beautiful picture of Christ and the church, the sanctity of life. Why do murderers go to jail? Because life is sacred. Animals are slaughtered all the time, but human life is sacred. You'll notice in verse 20 and 21, it talks about the concourse. That's the marketplace, as I mentioned, and, of course, the buying and the selling. Right judgment, right weights. Buy the truth and sell it not, we are reminded of. The sight of aged men and women walk in the streets, in the marketplace. Someone you met 20 years ago. Now they are aged. The face came up on Facebook. I didn't realize. It's been all these years. I hardly recognize him or her. So stooped, so gray, so aged, getting near the grave. All of these things preach to us. Or maybe the passing of a funeral car. Someone struck by death, carried off to the grave to be buried, to be remembered, but seen no more. The Christian witness is all around us. Radio, adverts, Bibles, churches. When I came to this area in 1984, on a short visit before I brought Beulah and our children, to commence a ministry here, 
Even then, I was impressed with all the churches. I was in Aldergrove, Abbotsford, Burnaby, New Westminster, uh, some parts of Surrey, but the older parts, so many church buildings. And of course, with all the immigrants, you've got the, the, the Mennonite people and the Dutch people and the German people, and you've got Anglicans and you've got Presbyterians, you've got all these peoples of various backgrounds, and they want their own church. But every church is a witness. Every church is a testimony of the living God. You can't get away from him. And young person, if you think that today that you can cloud out and drown out the witness of the living Christ, you can't do it. You would be a fool. In the Psalm 139, we read, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. You cannot run from the Lord. And you know somebody who tried it, don't you? You know Jonah tried to run from God. He took a ship, but in the midst of the ocean, God found him, and God even saved him. You would be a fool to try to run from God. And here's the first reason. God's witness calling you to turn is everywhere, everywhere. What are you going to do? If you say no, you will fight it all your life right till your dying breath, and you'll go into eternity without God, without Christ, and without hope. That's why you are bidden to turn, turn at my call, my reproof. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, and today we come to our message on the cross. This is something that every born-again Christian ought to do and should do. That is, boast in the cross. Indeed, it is the only thing that we are to boast in. We're not to boast in our money, our talents, or our worldly achievements, the house we live in, or the car we drive. But we are to boast in the cross. We're not even to boast in our churches or our religious organizations. Now, I love the Free Presbyterian Church. It's the place where God has saved me and brought me into service. But I only can love it as far as it represents and preaches the cross of Christ. The Apostle Paul put it well, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. The cross, to some, is a hindrance to success. But to those who believe and are redeemed by the blood of the cross, it is the only way to success. If we were to preach prosperity and make sinners millionaires, and they missed the cross, they would be in hell for all eternity. I wonder, then, is it possible that you 
may be missing the cross of Christ. Let's apply a few tests. First, do you understand that there is no other way for God to reconcile guilty sinners to himself other than appointing the death of his own son? I believe, and the Bible to me is very clear in this point, that God spared not his own son, sending him to die on Calvary, and God poured out his wrath upon our Lord Jesus because sin must be judged. A righteous and holy God has no other way to deal with sin than to judge it. This argument revolves around the character of God. The Bible reveals that God is impeccably righteous and can never commit an unrighteous act, nor can he wink at sin in the sense of letting it pass. He is not a judge who can turn a blind eye to allow justice to feel or fall into disgrace. God would cease to be God before he would cease to be righteous. He would cease to be holy if even one sin went unpunished. So, in infinite grace, God found a way to fulfill his own holy standard of righteousness by God himself becoming the victim on whom judgment falls. Yes, that is right. The judge stepped from the bench and took the sinner's place and in his own person takes all the punishment due to the criminal. That was you in the dock, convicted, tried, and found guilty. And that was you that deserved the wrath of God and hell forever due to sin. But at the cross, Jesus died in your place. The cross is therefore the place where love and justice meet. Justice is followed, law is satisfied, and out of infinite mercy, you are represented in the death of Christ. Until you see that and rejoice in that, you are missing the cross of Christ and have no part in its wondrous scheme. The hymn writer put it wonderfully. One day, when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men. My example is he. Word became flesh, and the light shined among us, his glory revealed. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, O glorious day. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they kneeled him to die on a tree, suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins. My Redeemer is he. Hands that healed nations stretched out on a tree and took the kneels for me. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, O glorious day. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.